Many times fear rules over our lives and leaves us feeling anxious, afraid, and ineffective. Fear and anxiety are very real feelings, but the enemy uses lies to fill us with fear and to keep us from knowing the truth about ourselves, about God, and about the purpose he has placed in each one of us. But we don't have to be slaves to our fears. God told Joshua multiple times to be strong, to be courageous, and not to be afraid. Jesus said to his disciples, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Fear can be a struggle for all of us. Fear is real. Fear is difficult. But fear is a liar. week of our series, Fear is a Liar. Now, I'm really glad that we are going through this series because I have a history with fear. Ever since I was a little kid, there were different things that would just freak me out. I'd get so scared. Uh, I remember in first grade, I've told this story before, but I remember in first grade, uh, Scholastic Readers Program, one of the big things was they brought Clifford in to get um, <laughs> all the kids, you know, and, and I had, for some reason, not even just like, oh, I kind of didn't like them, like I had a phobia of dressed up people, and I don't know why. And so I remember turning that corner and like had a breakdown. I mean, like all the kids had to go back to class. And uh, I, people remembered that. They were like, who was the kid that made us go back when we could meet Cliff? I know. And uh, I remember I was, I was so freaked out that, um, during, during recess, I was so happy that I'd gotten to, you know, you have green light, yellow light, red light, red light, so if you like messed up twice and you're bad that day. The day before, I'd gotten red lighted, and I was praising God because I was so scared that Clifford was like going to come out and play kickball with everyone. And I was like, I don't have to go out there. I'm so grateful. And um, recently, I was talking to my parents about it, and my mom said, I wonder if subconsciously you purposely did that. And I was like, no, no, I didn't. I was just a bad, I was a bad kid that day, and it just worked out in my favor. Um, I remember in fifth grade, um, I was so nervous for school that we were about to, I was about to get dropped off, and I literally got so nervous that I, I threw up in a cardboard box. No, I was so nervous. And you guys are like, do I laugh at that or no? I don't know. But uh, I, I've had fears my whole life that I feel like have kept me from living the life that God has for me. Uh, one of the, the kind of funny fears that I have is I have a, a fear of heights. I do not like heights. Uh, in college, I had a bunch of friends that were not scared of heights at all. And so they came up with the idea of, hey, let's go to this bridge that's, you know, 30 minutes away. And uh, there's water underneath, and let's, let's jump off this bridge, that'd be so fun, and they just, it was nothing to them, and for me, I was like shaking the whole time, and then they're like, hey, let's um, go ahead and get on the, and let's like jump backwards, where you can't see where you're going, I was like, why is this a good idea, somehow they talked me into it, and um, we're about to show a video of that, first off, you're going to be like, how is that Brody, he is so tiny, he is like a miniature version of me, uh, this is my freshman year of college, Second thing, listen for Bjorn Waldron, if you know him. He is the, the laugh at the end of this video. It's really funny. Um, but just realize how long it takes you to actually jump after the countdown. So check out this video. Uh, 
when it comes to, to risk, when it comes to different things, that fear that we have is in complete opposition with the life that Jesus gave his life for. So sometimes we need to have a little bit of, of grit when it comes to fear in our lives. We need to decide, you know what? This is something that needs to be driven out. Fear is not going to leave itself. You have to let it know that it's not welcome anymore. The title of today's message is Handing Fear an Eviction Notice. Handing Fear an Eviction Notice. Where this series is going to be about six weeks. And today the goal is just in your life to realize how we have fear in our lives. And for you to personally commit and decide, okay, God, this fear is not welcome anymore. And here's the thing. It will not leave instantaneously. You can't just hand in an eviction notice and then fear is gone. It is a lifelong process. But it takes you saying, this is not welcome anymore. Perfect love drives out all fear. I do not want fear ruling my life anymore. You know, Satan cannot take away your salvation. He absolutely cannot. He can't take away your salvation. But what he will do is he will try to keep you from the freedom that you can live in because of what Jesus did on the cross. So if he can't take your salvation away, what he will do is he will use fear to paralyze you and to keep you from walking in the promises that God has for you. God has an amazing plan for your life. One that's an adventure. One that takes faith. One that takes risk. What Satan's going to do is he's going to speak into your ear. Try to plant fear in your life that keeps you from walking in that plan that God has for you. So let's take a look at some of these lies that Satan tells us to keep us from, from living the life that God has for us. Because fear leads to ineffectiveness. So the four lies. The very first one is what if. What if. One of the ways that Satan keeps us in fear is to think what if. We think of the absolute worst possibility. The worst thing that can happen. Matthew 6.34 says, So don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Jesus is saying, don't think about the what ifs and this could happen. Think about the here and the now. Because when we continually fear what could happen, it takes us away from the present. You know, social media, in some ways it is amazing. It's a great thing. But in some ways it's, it's difficult. Um, you know, when it comes to social media, what makes it on the feed and, and what makes it to, to what you see is the things that are the funniest, the craziest, the, the most wild things. You know, nobody really posts a video of them just brushing their teeth, you know? They don't post a video of just real life. It's always something crazy. And what happens is, is the most, the, the scariest things, the, the, the worst things end up on, on Facebook. But what happens is we see these things and, and we allow it to get into our brains where we are convinced one of these terrible things is going to happen to me. And we live in this fear of what if? What if something happens to my health? What if our finances just, just go away? What if, my kid, what if something happens to my kids? What if? And we live in this world of worrying about things 
that most likely will never even happen. We end up living in what ifs, and it robs us from our moments of faith. In 1 Samuel, uh, there, there's a story where the Israelites, um, they, they are um, battling the Philistines. And what happens is Saul is king, and they're fighting these Philistines. And it says in 1 Samuel, the, the men of Israel saw what a tight spot they were in. So they realized, man, this is going to be really hard. The Philistines, they didn't really have any weapons. The Philistines, there were way more of them. It says, and because they were hard-pressed by the enemy, they tried to hide in caves, thickets, rocks, holes, and cisterns. You know what a cistern is? Let me know, okay? I did not look it up. But they were hiding each and every which. Every place that they could hide, they were hiding. There was fear that had taken over this army. Except for one person. His name was Jonathan. It was Saul's son. He was the only one that decided he was not going to allow fear to take over his life. And so Saul talks to his armor bearer and says, listen, we have God on our side. Why should we fear? Let's go. And, and basically the, the, the Philistine army were up on this huge cliff. Why don't we just go and take them on? And so uh, first I want you to think of Saul. Here Saul is and his son is the one that has to lead the way. I want you to think of that. Do you, I don't know if you have kids or not, but do you want to be in such fear that your kids are having to lead the way? Man, lead the charge. Be the one that's full of faith. And so, so Jonathan, he says, perhaps the Lord will help us for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle, whether he has many warriors or only a few. And so Jonathan and his armor bearer, they go out, and there's this cliff, and they scale this cliff, and there's two of them. And all these Philistines, it says once they get up there, they just start going to town. They kill 20 Philistines, all right? And, and so they kill 20 of them, and once that happens, all this chaos happens. There's an earthquake, and it says that the, the army just starts almost melting, just, it, and all of a sudden, Saul and his army, the rest of the guys that are back hiding, start looking and seeing this happening. And Saul's like, hey, we should probably go now. You know? Like, yeah, probably. Like, it's melting. And, and all of a sudden, Saul gets the courage. Hey, let's go now. And then it says uh, later in 1 Samuel 14, 22, likewise, the men of Israel who were hiding in the hill country of Ephraim joined the chase when they saw the Philistines running away. They joined the chase when they saw the Philistines running away. They were, they were about the what if. What if that would happen? And they wanted to wait until they saw the Philistines running away, and then they come running out. They're like, yeah, we told you, you know? Who do you want to be? Do you want to be Jonathan? Where you lead the charge and you say, listen, I know our God, and he's going to defeat this army with a bunch of guys or just a few. Or do you, do you want to be the one that, that waits until other people go out and do the works of faith and the acts of faith, and then you come running out after? Who do you want to be? God is God, and he is going to do some amazing things. I promise you that. And you have to decide. Do I want to be one of the ones that God uses to lead the charge? Or do I want to be hiding and waiting and allowing fear to take over my life? God wants to work through you. 
He wants to do amazing things through you. So, so don't allow what ifs to take over. Have the same mindset as Jonathan to say, perhaps the Lord will help me. Nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. So the first lie is what if. The second is what about them? What about them? There's a story in the Bible where uh, Jesus is talking to Peter. And, and he's talking to Peter and, and it says Jesus said, um, basically told him about this life that Peter was going to live once Jesus left. It was going to be difficult. It was going to be hard. And, and it says that Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. He's saying, listen, it's going to be really difficult. You are going to have a death that is really, really hard, but it's going to glorify me. So here Peter is. Jesus tells him this. And, and you think, is he going to say, you know what, Jesus? Absolutely. I will do anything for you. And this is Peter's response. It says, Peter turned around and saw behind him the disciple Jesus loved, which is John. The one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. I'm going to read that again. Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. You see, there was this fear that dwelled up in Peter's heart where Jesus said, hey, listen, the path I have for you is going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. And fear wells up and he starts looking around and says, well, what about John? Hey, what about John? What about him? And Jesus says, what is that to you? His plan, that the plan I have for his life is different than yours. What is that to you? As for you, follow me. What happens is when we allow fear to well up in our lives, comparison takes over. We look around at other people. We say, okay, this is a difficult financial season. God, what about them? Why are they not having to walk in this same financial struggle as me? God, why is their marriage the way it is and mine is, is in a difficult season? God, why are their kids the way that they are? God, why, why, why? And it's all about what about them? And Jesus is saying to you right now, what is it to you? What's it to you? He's asking you, will you follow me? I have a plan for your life. And it's not their plan. I have a perfect plan for your life. And it is different than their plan. Don't fall into the trap of comparison. You know, sometimes we think, what about, you know, what about them in, in comparison? But also we say, what about them? Where we're scared, we're fearful. There's people in this world that, that there is injustice in this world. And I want to tell you, it is right to see injustice in the world and to stand up and to do something about it. We as Christians were never meant to sit back on the sidelines when injustice is happening, when we have the hope of the world. We are meant to stand up and to do something, to make a difference. 
But here's the thing. Sometimes we allow fear and worry in the process to take over our lives. We get so scared about the injustice in the world, about the people who are doing evil in the world, that it takes us out of the game. You know, there's this thing that, that um, there's a professor at George Mason, her name is Cher Chen, and she, she studies activist burnout, activist burnout. And um, it's where people get so overwhelmed with the cause that they're fighting for that they become ineffective. And, and one of the activists that, that she had interviewed, they, they said this, I was losing my capacity to think well. My sense of creativity and being able to see what is going on and identify here's an effective strategy, it was like I had no sense about how to navigate that anymore. My thinking was very muddy. I felt immobilized in terms of being able to produce any sort of work or take any sort of action. You see, it's ironic because the very cause that they were fighting for, they were out of the game because of the fear and worry that had welled up in their hearts. And can you see why? Satan would use this strategy. Gets you to worry about the injustice in the world, to fear it. And, and God wants you to stand up and to, to do something about it. But we can't. We become immobilized. We become, all of a sudden, we're so worked up and we're so scared that we cannot stand up for the justice that we need to do. We need to spot the injustice, but then think, how can I be part of the solution? Start looking inward. You know, David, there's this this psalm, Psalm 139, a lot of you guys know, and it's an amazing psalm, where, where David says, man, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. All the days that, that you have for me, you, you know, I, man, all the thoughts you have for me, they, it's amazing how much you love me, God. But then, but then David says this. He says, uh, oh God, if you would only destroy the wicked, Get out of my life, you murderers. All of a sudden, he switches over to thinking of the injustice in the world. But then this is the response that David has at the very end of the psalm. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. Saying, God, you know I'm anxious about this. Take that away. I don't want to be ineffective because I'm so fearful of these people. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. You see, what David does is, is he says, God, I'm spotting the injustice. I want something to be done. But the way I'm going to respond is I'm going to look inward. God, use me. Change me. He doesn't just gripe about the people who are doing bad. He says, okay, God, I want to be part of the solution. That's what we need to do as a church. We cannot just be scared of the things that are happening in the world. We need to stand for what is right. The third lie that Satan uses is just wait. Just wait. It's procrastination. I'll just wait. One day I'll do it. One day I'll be, man, I'll, be, I'll live an adventure for God, but right now I just need to, I just need to do this. I'm just going to wait. I'm going to wait. And there is a season sometimes where you wait on God's time. But there's also a time where you just have to do something. Just take a step. Just make a decision. Don't allow fear to keep you from, from moving. You know, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is, is where the Israelites, God had, had um, you know, they were free from being slaves. So God had, had moved them out of Egypt. And they're on their way out, and then all of a sudden, the Egyptians, Pharaoh changes his mind and says, you know what, we're going to chase after them. 
So the Israelites are moving. All of a sudden, there's the Red Sea in front of them. And then they look back, and the Egyptians are coming in behind them. And they start complaining and griping, saying, Moses, why did you take us out here? And this is what Moses said to them. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. And so this is really interesting. Like Moses says, hey, just stay calm. The Lord will fight for you. Stand still. It says, the Lord, uh, it says then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. <coughs> Tell the people to get moving. Sometimes we just stand there and we stand still and say, okay, God, I need you to do something. He's saying, I want you to take a step. I want you to move. I want you to do something. My wife and I, we live in a basement apartment, and, and there used to be this, this motion-activated light on our path down to, to, to the basement on the outside. And the thing with the motion-activated light is if I stood there and I just waited for the light to turn on, and then once I saw the light that I moved, it would never happen. The thing is I had to start taking the right step. I had to... Step first, and once I started moving, then the light, it was motion activated. I feel like sometimes our faith is motion activated. God wants you to take a step. And what we're doing is we're waiting, we're saying, okay, God, when I see the light, when I hear the voice, when I, when, when, when I, when I see the sign, then I'm going to start moving. But God's saying, listen, I want you to take a step of faith. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to have it all together. Just start moving in a direction that you think might be the right direction. As long as it doesn't go against scripture, just go with it. Just start moving. Do something. Do something. Our faith is motion activated. You know, we do not have to wait anymore and allow fear to just keep us from moving. And the last lie that Satan tells us is, I'm winning. I'm winning. There's a, there's a really interesting play that um, is Duke... Duke Louisville, and it was uh, women's basketball. And what's really interesting is that Louisville set up in a way that looked like they were going one direction, but they actually ended up going the other direction. Check out this video. Pumping starts to shake some things out. It's Louisville. What was that for the basketball? I think they talk once again. So the very beginning of this third quarter, Louisville sets up on the opposite end of the floor, the quick dish, and Brianna Jackson catches in for the easy basket. All right, so you see what they did? It was genius. It was genius by Louisville. They decided, I'm going to get Duke to cover the wrong end of the floor. I'm going to get them to cover the wrong end of the floor. And what Satan does sometimes is he gets you to cover the wrong end of the floor. Because you you're in the wrong game. And we decide to win in our lives is to be comfortable, to live an easy life, just get a whole lot of money, and just cruise through life, cruise control. But that's not the win. That's not how you're going to be fulfilled. Paul in Acts 20 said, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. My life is worth nothing to me 
unless I, I use it for what God has called me to do to tell people about Him. I want you to ask yourself, what has been my win? What side of the court have I been defending? Because I want an easy, comfortable life, raise some nice kids, get a lot of money, have a nice car, a nice house. That is not the win. You will go your entire life, and at the end of it, you will decide, man, this split my life, it feels like this was nothing. But I'll tell you what, if you decide today, man, my win is not a whole lot of money and a comfortable life. My win is doing everything I can to tell everyone the good news of Jesus. And whether that's scary or difficult, wherever God takes me, I'm going to do it. Then you'll get to the end of your life. Be like, man, what an adventure. You'll be so excited to see how God worked through you because you did not allow fear to rule you anymore. In Luke 12, Jesus says this, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. Then turning to his disciples, Jesus said, that is why I am telling you, not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear, for, for life is more than food and your body more than clothing. And he goes on to say this. These things, these things, dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world, but your Father already knows your needs. This is the response. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. He will give you everything you need. So don't be afraid, little flock. For it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Don't fear, because God, it brings him great happiness to give you the kingdom. Now, what is the kingdom? It's not, it's not just finances. It's not a castle. What it is is the kingdom is is where God reigns above all else, where he's so much greater than everything else in your life. It is a personal, intimate relationship with him where there is nothing greater. John Piper described the kingdom as this. First, in the hearts of his people and their relationships, by triumphing over sin, Satan, and death. And then, kingdom is where Jesus comes back and he returns and he makes a new heaven and a new earth. We can live in that. We don't have to worry about, about the things that the world worries about. Because we have a God who cares for us and we have a kingdom we can be living for that is so much greater. So don't be afraid for it gives your Father great happiness to give you the kingdom. God wants you living with that kind of courage, that kind of confidence. He defeated death, and he is returning. So I want to encourage you today, give fear and addiction notice. You say, I have a God who died on the cross and defeated death, so I can live in a life that is so much better than just living in fear, worrying about my health and my kids and my finances and my work and all these things. You don't have to worry about that. There are difficulties and trials that will come. And it will be hard. There will be some heartache. There will be emotion. But you don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live in worry. 
we can give fear and eviction notice today. So let's live like we have a personal relationship with the God of the universe that conceded death. Let's love like we are loved by the God who gave his very life for us. Let's dream like we have a God who can do the impossible. Stop living fear. Let's live in the love and the courage that God has given.